um, this is a normal episode for us, so not that it warrants this, but we really missed an opportunity tonight, bud. How so? Bro, we're talking about Peacemaker, the show. We could have used the theme song. (laughs) And just imagine the happiness we put in the homies' hearts when they get a chance to hear it again. Okay? Just a glimmer of hope on a bleak day. I'll go ahead and and put it on recording now so I have to stick to it. They'll get it for the finale. You're fucking right they will. (laughs) We'll get it for the finale. It's a treat for us as much as them. Uh, Yes. Uh, Man, there's so much about this show that is extremely... When I say laughable, I don't mean I'm laughing at you. Obviously, I mean I'm laughing with you. Mm -hmm. And this entire show, there's a couple of fun facts... And then there's a question I wanted to ask you. Uh, like okay. one fun fact, for example, is the fact that apparently, rumoredly, reportedly, <laughs> this show is a product of James Gunn being extremely bored and out of his mind during quarantine. Uh, and he had just nothing to do. So in order to keep himself, I guess, sane, he started writing this show. I believe it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. yeah, so now we have a Peacemaker TV show because of COVID. So not that, you know, we should thank COVID for anything, but hey, you know, there's a silver lining. COVID yeah. hasn't brought any good for us. Let's let's not even front, but James Gunn has. <laughs> James Gunn quarantining has. Because of COVID. So shout out to you too, COVID, and for all the many good things. <laughs> mm. Mm. Uh, Homies, if you could have felt a glare. My gosh. Mm. Son of a bitch. Uh, you know, we, I'm smirking at you, yeah. but still, yeah. <laughs> we can't all be immune. I'm joking, obviously, guys. Hey, you know, 30 years ago, it was considered distasteful to make age jokes, and here we are. Oh, it's not distasteful. <laughs> it's just like fuck you, COVID. My gosh. Oh yeah. What a fuck face. Yeah, and uh, you know what? Nope, not even gonna go down that road. So, <laughs> but with Peacemaker, though, the entire premise and just the entire idea that we have a peacemaker tv show they were talking about here on this podcast is astounding you know four years ago if you ask you do you ever think they should do a peacemaker tv show i'd be like is there another peacemaker besides that random guy from charleston comics mm-hmm. like yeah. <laughs> at first first of all probably took me at least three minutes to think there's a peacemaker and then i'd be like is it the guy from charleston comics and then i'd be like well, there must be another peacemaker. <laughs> uh, and then secondly, I would have said, well, why the fuck would there be a peacemaker TV show? But here we are. And that got me thinking, if if you had to choose a CDE list comic book character to give a show to, who would it be for you? Snowflame. No, no, see, I, I, I knew you were going to say that, and I was going to yeah. exclude Snowflame from this, because no. that's too fucking easy. No, you can't take <laughs> yes. that from me, brother. <laughs> we all deserve a Snowflame show. And of course, I'd call James Gunn and be like, bro, I need your help. I got this great pitch. Okay, you ready? He'd be like, is it Marvel or DC? Fuck, I don't know. I don't care. It's, it's Snowflame. <laughs> Marvel? Uh, I believe Snowflame is DC. Even better. Mm. Just... Just just because, I mean, that's the same universe, bro. I mean, who's to say James Gunn hasn't already thought of that? Give him Snowflame. I'd pay for that. I'd throw some money at that wholeheartedly. I've watched two seasons of that. <laughs> uh, yep, no. 
But if it wasn't Snowflame and you, and you gave me another B-rate, C-rate character that, you know, no one knows about, honestly, just because this character's gained some popularity, I would give him Kite Man. See, that's the other one I was going to exclude from you. Really? Those are the two Why? that I knew you were going to use. Because, no. because Kite Man has recently gained popularity thanks to the Harley Quinn TV show. Why are you trying he to is. take happiness? <laughs> You're trying to kill God. Okay? Just let happiness subside. Well, well, call me Frederick Nietzsche because God is dead and we have killed him. <laughs> How dare you get philosophical <laughs> and open that can on this show? All I want is a snow flame. And a Kite Man canonical show that interlaced with each other better than the fucking CW. Well, I mean, better than CW, that's a very low bar. James Gunn can do it. <laughs> I would give him that bar and then some. But yeah, dude. That's fair. What characters have you thought of? Because, I mean, Kite Man, Snow Flame, Peacemaker... I'm fit. I'm cool. <laughs> like, just give me that TV for the rest of the year, and I'll be very happy. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so let's see. Yeah. So for me, there's there's certainly a few out there, and I know there's some that are that are kind of sort of in the works. Hmm. Um. But for for me, one that I think I've mentioned before that uh, you know definitely needs his own something uh, would be Blue Marvel. I feel like he's just a fucking shoe in. Hmm. Uh, yeah, he's a tremendous comic book character. Yeah, he ha- hasn't had a whole lot of appearances. It's kind of funny. Uh, maybe because he's so powerful, he's kind of in the same, uh, not the same lighting, but kind of the same position as people like Sentry, whereas like Marvel doesn't really fuck with them because it's like, what do we do? Okay. Um, but no, he's always had an interesting backstory, uh, very interesting power set. Uh, it's just a very intriguing character. And it's always just been kind of uh, baffling to me how uh, how even the MCU hasn't thought to jump on it. Hmm. Yeah, And, uh, you know, even now, uh, I don't think that he's in any kind of... he. May, I'm sure he is probably in like one or two ongoing comic books, maybe, but there's not a whole lot of uh, noise being made about him. Not a whole lot of people even know about the character, relatively speaking. Uh, so... Yeah, for me, definitely Blue Marvel uh, would be one. Um, if I had to think of one that would be like I don't know more of a uh, more of a comedic uh, aspect, um, I would say I don't know maybe make it make one about uh man. See, I was gonna say uh, Mongol. But uh, mm. I mean, because he he'd be a you know he's a great dickhead villain and uh, he's even in DC. But you know we've also we've actually seen Mongal his daughter yeah. <laughs> for like two minutes in the Suicide Squad movie. Uh, spoiler alert if you haven't seen it. <laughs> uh, she has a pretty great death. Uh, but yeah, like there's there's a lot of different just low tier villains. And uh man, I gotta be honest, James Gunn, he really cleaned up a lot of them in one movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he really did. Yeah. And half of them fucking died in the first ten minutes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh it's kind of funny. Uh I'm I'm gonna take a pop shot here at Marvel because sometimes it's easy. But man, sometimes you know, looking at the MCU, they take top tier characters like, man, why is this character trash in this movie? Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I mean, there's characters who are forever fucked now, at least for the next few years, until, like, Marvel wisens up and fixes them. Uh, you know, Taskmaster, oh, first yeah. one on my mind. It's oh, like, yeah. yeah, you guys fucked him up royally. And then, yeah. what was the elven bad guy that was from space, Thor 2, Dark World? Oh, uh, yes, uh, Malekith. Malekith. Yeah. Elven name, yep. dark elf look. But he got fucked. Yeah, oh yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. And that that's a villain that, you know, has a lot more backstory to Marvel oh, than yeah. this movie predicted. So Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, they, they definitely fucked that up as well. Oh, fucking the entire uh planet Hulk got fucked. So that's that's <laughs> and that's that's a number of, a characters, number of characters and villains that got fucked. Yeah, so. yep, yep. Such is life, I suppose. Mm. You know, it, Bro, it, it, it's, it's kind fun. of funny the uh, the ideologies behind it because even mm. with Guardians, like James Gunn brought in Taserface, no one is checking for Taserface, uh, but you know he brought in you know characters like that. James Gunn loves the obscure characters and he brings oh, yeah. them into into the like the the light so people can see them and he makes them in one way or another memorable. Whereas I realized that a lot of other Marvel projects they bring in characters who are right on the precipice of being, like, top-tier characters, and then they fumble it. Mm-hmm. Uh, not saying that it happens a lot, but it really happens. It does happen a lot with the villains. I'll go ahead and say that. Uh, you know, you have your exceptions like Killmonger and Thanos. Well, shoot, they're about to try to do that shit with uh, America Chavez, and that's, that's meh. Yeah, we'll, we'll see what happens with, with her. Um, I mean, I'm a man of little faith. So, you know. <laughs> Oh, ye of little faith. Uh, yes, you asked. You asked for me. <laughs> now, if I told you that she plays a significant part in Doctor Strange 2... Uh, You'd be lying. Because <laughs> Doctor Strange plays a significant part in Doctor Strange 2. Yes, I mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's the hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, could you fucking imagine... Do a little bait and switch in Doctor Strange too. Yeah, that'd be some bullshit. I don't think this is gonna happen. I'm just kind of talking shit, bro. We'd have to change the name of the podcast. We, we'd have to say why the fuck they do that, and that's the name, <laughs> of, the name of the podcast. Like, why the fuck did they do that? Focusing on superhero stories. Uh, yours truly, mm-hmm. Q and Kevin. Mm-hmm. Hey guys, so why the fuck did Marvel do this this time? <laughs> and we'd be the biggest pessimist on the market. Well, that we would. Yeah. yeah. Uh. You know, and and other interesting news in terms of events. Mm-hmm. Just recently, and by recently, I mean by the time you homies hear this within the past twelve hours, uh, Mister Joss Whedon himself has finally come out and spoken about the uh, accusations uh, of him while working on Justice League, the twenty seventeen theatrical version. Okay, and uh, he has said trying you know in in his own defense he has said something to the to the account of uh and before before i, I kind of recap what he said I, I do have to say this okay. what he said concerning uh, gal gadot um i don't even if it sounded tone deaf like he didn't realize that even in him trying to explain the situation he still sounded like a dickhead all right, so 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 yeah, you got you got to fill me in now. Like I'm I'm I'm, I'm leaving curious. you right there. We are yeah. moving on. Okay, <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to bed. <laughs> We're fucking done. 
no, like, um, what happened? So, he didn't go into a lot of detail about what exactly was said between uh, him and Gal. But we do know that from months previously, Gal, you know, she accused him along with Ray, Fish, Ray Fisher of abuse on set, verbal abuse and threatening and all that. And, of course, uh, Joss vehemently denied all that. And then he said, you know, I, I have I use very flowery language on set when I'm working with my cast and crew and whatnot. And he he says, and, you know, uh, Gal, her first language isn't English. She's Israeli. So I think that maybe there was some things lost in translation and maybe she misunderstood me. What an entitled rich asshole thing yeah, to say. That's what I mean. Like I don't think he like, even bro, realized. You, you you're trying <laughs> to sound political, but in fact, you're just sounding more racist and far right winged. Like, bro. Bro, how like and, and I don't even want to put that behavior on, on right wing people, but like That's yeah, fair, it, that's fair. That's that's me overstepping my <laughs> bounds. But that is a very ignorant thing to say. Mm-hmm. And I can safely say that. Oh yeah. Because Bro, like that just makes you sound more racist, assuming that there's a language barrier when obviously there isn't. Right. Because Gal Gadot is very talented at English. Otherwise, we'd have very different <laughs> movies. Right. So, like, what what the fuck, man? Like, what what an old person thing to say. Yeah. Yeah. And then with Ray Fisher, of course. Forgive me yeah. for sounding ageist, but damn. <laughs> with Ray Fisher, yet who played Cyborg. He, he has the uh, for, for him. Yeah, well, you know, he actually had the audacity. I mean, and I should be speaking objectively, but I just I don't believe a whole lot of what Josh says. So it's a shitty apology. Very much so. Wait, it's wait, not wait, even wait. an apology. Okay. Message yeah. is like uh, and um, a almost rebuttal. An, an excuse. Yeah, a rebuttal. Mm. Uh, but concerning uh, Ray Fisher, he says, you know, me and Ray, like we agreed on all the changes that were going to happen. I'm like, you agreed on cutting. 90% of his scenes out of the movie, you agreed on That's having bullshit. him change his demeanor and personality. Uh, and, and then, you know, he also goes on to say that, you know, he, he felt very hurt that Ray Fisher felt that way and that he and Ray were, you know, they were very close on set and that they, they had a very friendly relationship. And then he goes on to say that, you know, Ray... He, he, in no uncertain terms, says that Ray is a bad actor in terms of talent and in terms of uh, working with, like, just not a good per, like, not a good actor. Bro, yeah. Are you trying to redeem your career <laughs> or like? First off, is Josh Whedon actually working on anything relevant right now? He was working on a pretty big show for HBO, but then amidst all the turmoil, I think that it got canned. Oh, gee, you don't say. You don't (laughs) fucking say. HBO said, hmm. So the contract doesn't specify this, but, you know, we we thought this went without saying, Mr. Whedon. Um, We don't want to work with bigots. (laughs) So if you don't have an explanation for that, brother, we're just going to take the contract back and and just go ahead and rip that up real quick. There we go. All right. Get the fuck out Uh, of here. Yeah, like... uh, it's not he he didn't really do a good job of helping his case in my opinion because there's no reason there's no way there's no logical explanation that Ray Fisher for all these years would just make up accusations no just make shit up out of thin air it, it doesn't that doesn't logically make any sense uh and you know it also it doesn't make sense again for you know for 
him to just say Gal Gadot didn't understand what I was saying, basically. And that, you know, he... But she understood all of her co-stars, no problem. Uh, right, yeah. And, and Gal Gadot, she even responded and said, no, I understood you quite clearly. Yeah. Uh, so, Asshole. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's a very bizarre turn of events. Uh, I'm not sure why he came out and said anything. I think in most cases, lawyers kind of, kind of try to deter you from doing such things. Actually, his lawyers right now are probably face palming it, just like, fuck, why, <laughs> why did I take this client on? <laughs> Look, I liked his movies. I mean, mm-hmm. man, I mean, fuck, I, can I, can I back out my contract? <laughs> yeah, and then of lawyer, course, you um, should know the answer to that. But right. yeah, and then I believe also within the past, I guess, year or so, I think Joss's wife or ex-wife. You know, I think that she even has some scathing words for him. It may have been like a memoir or a book of some sorts, but so he's been, uh, yeah, he's been getting attacked from multiple angles. And, you know, uh, I like, you know, most other people enjoy a lot of his work. I think he's made some really iconic and cult classic TV shows and movies. Uh, but yeah, it just seems that as a person, man, I feel that I feel like maybe, as he got bigger, maybe he had a lot more yes men around him. Maybe as that power kind of grew, it became unchecked. And then maybe as that happened, maybe he didn't even realize that he was being such an ass uh, when in reality, maybe he was. Mm. Um, and that's just me trying to speak objectively, you know, trying to, to look at this, you know, from an observer's pers- uh, perspective. I mean, because I don't know. Obviously, I wasn't there, but... It just doesn't seem like he is as, uh, I don't think his hands are as clean as he thinks they are. So Yeah, fuck him. <laughs> and that is your Joss Whedon update. Mm. Yep. Uh, but with that being said, homies one and all, welcome back to the Superhero Homies Podcast. My name is Quentin, and as always, I am here with the homie Kevin. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back. Uh, kudos to you for sitting our entire cold open. Uh, they're less cold. At this point, it's more like a lukewarm open. You know, cause we, we can't go into it. And then mm-hmm. within our mini subject, we get into it too. Yeah. You know? So yeah. it's like, um, but yeah, bro. Here we are. Yeah. Here we are. And we're here today to discuss uh, the latest DC project, which is Peacemaker. Hell yeah. Yes. Uh, the Peacemaker TV show has recently premiered on HBO Max. Uh, they dropped three episodes at one time, and there's going to be, I believe, eight episodes total. And so we have five episodes left. And, it's not uh, enough. <laughs> I demand two more, at least. Brother, you know, I, I can't promise you that. Well, I don't think anyone can promise you that. Let's, let's, let's call our boy. <laughs> oh, our, our boy. Yeah, we'll, we'll call our friend. Oh, we yeah, call he, our he's, friend. He's a homie. I don't think Caleb or Oz can help us with this. <laughs> I don't think they have the pool. Maybe if all four of us called. And we get all the other homies to come on board too. All right. All all everyone listening. Listen, unless James Gunn listens to this podcast, which one could hope. One could hope. Uh don't you don't you make me sad. Well. We already had to talk about Joss Whedon's bullshit. That, that is it's, it's too little too late bullshit. Since the movie was re-released, it did way better a second time mm-hmm. than it did under his own fucking name. All right. Uh, that was the last of those bit of salt I had in the gun. <laughs> uh, I had to. You are on Morton's? You don't have any more of? Gotta... Oh, I got a few more of, okay. but I'm just going to hold those back. Because <laughs> tonight's actually a lot of positivity. It is. Because Peacemaker, bro. Yes. Making and uh, 
I wanted to have a little bit of fun with this one, and this was interesting for me. I wanted to just uh, talk a little bit about uh, the canonical roots of this character before we get into what happens in this TV show. Because as I was watching episode one, I was thinking to myself, even those who have seen the Suicide Squad will still look at this guy and probably wonder, is he fucking real? (laughs) And for good reason. Right. Uh, this is a, a very interesting character here, very interesting turn of events that we got here. And I mean, I'm, I'm definitely not, uh, not trying to say there's any type of offense, but mm-hmm. I do wonder is James Gunn, a man of, uh, substance. And if that had anything to do with the creation and with the infatuation of peacemaker, uh, and hey. I, yeah, I often wonder, also wonder about like, I wonder how, James Gunn picks and chooses these characters that he wants. Hmm. I don't know. Um, it, it's fun to imagine just thinking, daydreaming about like how those with the capability and with enough pull that studios would want to listen to them would pitch fun ideas like that. Because you got to remember all these people are fucking, you know, normal people too. They just happen to be very, very popular on a widespread scale. Mm-hmm. So it's like, as normal people, you know, popularity aside, it's like, well, fuck, man, who knows? Maybe he was just like us, just bullshitting on the couch one day, and all of a sudden he just looks up, looks over to Jessica and goes, I got a dope, dope bad idea. I'm going <laughs> to run with it. And it's just like, oh, my gosh, you got to tell me about it. And all of a sudden it's about, like, hey, you see this character here? I want to make him into a show. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it could be as simple as it that. Could it, be. it could be yeah. a lot more in depth, and who knows? Maybe yeah. there may have been some friendly uh, substance. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I'm. I'm. That's regardless. Right. Yeah. Definitely are. not judging. I mean, if so, keep doing it. <laughs> <laughs> if if the first three episodes <laughs> is any uh, uh, any reflection on mm-hmm. whether or not these drugs help you, or or these substances, pardon, too too strong of words chosen. If these substances are uh, any help with the creative process, bro, it's way fucking helping. Yeah. yeah. Like, you, every decision, thumbs up. Keep it going. Right. Put another one in the pipe. I don't know. Whatever. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Why not? Amen. Cheers. She is indeed. Uh, so, with uh, Peacemaker here, hmm. it's funny because there are technically two different origins for Peacemaker, and that is because he was originally a creation of Charlton Comics and not DC Comics. And I want to talk a little bit about both, if for no other reason, because it does make his current origin much more hilarious if you understand his original origin. Hmm. Uh, and it is quite fascinating, if you ask me. Uh, but Peacemaker, he technically made his actual first appearance in a comic book called uh, The Fighting Five in issue number 40 way back in 1966. Uh, it's created by Joe Gill and Pat Boyer. And uh, this was, again, on the Charlton Comics. Of course, Charlton Comics was brought out by DC, or at least most of the properties were bought out by DC. So guys like uh, The Question, uh, Captain Adam, hmm. um, Blue Beetle, like all those those guys were also other Charlton character creations. Cool. Uh, DC kind of purchased them all. Now they're, you know, wouldn't even know that they weren't originally DC. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but the uh, the creation of uh, of Peacemaker, where the origin of his goes like like this. Uh, his name is Christopher Smith. Of course, that's 
his name in, in any kind of continuity that you look at. Uh, but originally, he was a, a pacifist diplomat. He came from a, an army father, and his mother was uh, some kind of research scientist. And uh, he himself grew up kind of just wanted nothing to do with violence, nothing to do with killing. Mm. He just he was he just wanted peace through diplomacy. And uh, you know, with him being a um, a pacifist diplomat, uh, he came to find out that there was this terrorist. I think the name of the terrorist was Bork. <laughs> Some or Bort, Bort, I think. <laughs> yeah. Damn you, Bort! Damn you, Bort! Uh, but this this terrorist was just like I almost dropped. I almost almost did a real life name drop here. Don't want to do that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but this terrorist was almost like insert uh, ruler who you think is a very very bad ruler. <laughs> uh, but times ten, like this guy had. Like, so much weaponry at his disposal, so much mayhem that he wanted to combat, and all this, that, and the third. He was just a, a terrible yeah. fucking, fucking person. And then uh, Chris, he realized that, okay, I won't be able to stop this guy through normal means, like through diplomacy. That won't work. Luckily, I have this secret goddamn room that no one else, thankfully, knows about where I've built a shit ton of weapons. Okay. <laughs> what a pacifist. Yes. Oh, my. Does he know yeah. what that word means? Well, I, mean, <laughs> uh, I guess kind of to his credit, uh, the weapons were non-lethal. Um, so he did build a bunch of weapons that technically, through normal means, shouldn't kill anyone. Mm. Uh, and, and then he he donned the, dons the Peacemaker outfit, doesn't explain the helmet, you nope. know, or, you know, kind of like the, the bright colors she uses or anything like that. It's the 1960s, folks. Yeah. Uh, you know, and uh, he he also dons his jetpack, uh, which is uh, very ironic and and purposely done uh, in the TV show. John Cena asks for a jetpack; uh, he isn't given one. Right. Uh, but yeah, and so then he goes out and he's able to stop Bork, and that's how he begins to fight crime and whatnot, and he gets a soul star from there. Now, this is 1966. I think it had to have been like 20 years later. During the Crisis on Infinite Earths event, because I believe that came out in 1986, maybe 84. Uh, but somewhere around 20 years later, during the Crisis on Infinite Earths event, that's when DC finally introduced a bunch of characters who they had purchased, including uh, Peacemaker, uh, which, canonically speaking, was the perfect time to do it, because the whole idea behind Crisis was that a lot of these different universes and Earths were converging. So okay. it was a way for them to kind of streamline all these different universes they had and make things more uh, easy to understand and read. Right. Okay. And uh, so during the crisis event, that's when they brought him in. Uh, and, you know, even then when they brought him in, uh, yeah, that was in 85. So, yeah, 1985. So even then, like, he wasn't really like a, a, a big, you know, name yet. I mean, technically he was never a big name, but mm -mm. you get it. Now... It was. It would be like a few years later, I think, when they finally gave him his origin story for DC Comics, and this was, I thought, extremely intriguing. Uh, this is something that uh, we talked about just a little bit months ago. Uh, I realized in, in our notes for the uh, the Suicide Squad preview episode, right? And I was like, "Oh shit, yeah." Well, I was like, "No wonder all this shit seems so goddamn familiar," but. The whole idea behind him under the original DC Comics banner was uh, Christopher Smith. Uh, he was born to uh, 
you know, to a, a dad who had an army background and a mother who I think she was like, uh, I think she wrote kids book, children's book. Um, yeah, you know, just a happy old family, yeah, just happy family. Mm. And, um, but what ends up happening is that on, uh, on little Chris's fifth birthday, his dad kills himself in front of him. Fuck man. Now the reason his dad does that is because his dad wasn't quite outright about some things. You see, Christopher Smith, he wasn't Christopher Smith. And his mother, Elizabeth, wasn't Elizabeth Smith. And his dad, Wolfgang, wasn't Wolfgang Smith. There was no mention of the name Smith because they grew up uh, with the last name Schmidt. Uh, You see, his dad, Wolfgang Schmidt, was actually a high-commanding Nazi officer. Oh, that explains a lot. A high-commanding Nazi officer who was responsible for the death of over 15,000 innocent people. And upon being found out, rather than face jail and persecution, his dad decided to kill himself before he could be captured and taken in by the authorities. And that just so happened to be on his son's fifth birthday. So after that, uh, little Chris and his mother, they relocate and then uh, she changes their last name to Smith instead of Schmidt. Okay. Uh, so that's how I guess the name Christopher Smith and uh, in the current DC comics continuity. Uh, when he was around 18 years old, he would join the military and he was actually really fucking good. Uh, he was a really good soldier, a okay. uh, really good tactician. Um, he was very headstrong. But there was a little bit of an incident, a little bit of a snafu, if you, if you will. Uh, he gets word that somewhere in a village, um, in a village that they're not too far from, that there are terrorists uh, hiding out there. And so he takes his troops, his platoon, platoon or whatever, and they go and infiltrate this village. But instead of, you know, looking around and seeing if they can find the terrorists, they just shoot up the whole goddamn place. And okay. killing okay. a Sounds bunch of, right. <laughs> yep. and they kill a bunch of innocent people in the process. Uh, That's war crimes, folks. Yep, and uh, he gets court martial for that, and his punishment is life in prison. Uh, so while he's doing his jail time, uh, he is approached by someone who represents uh, an organization called the Peacemaker Organization, and they say, "Hey, well, you know, we know that you you really want to serve your country by any means necessary, and that you're willing to do whatever it takes." We think that you'd be a perfect candidate for this. And uh, so they're able to get this man out of jail and, to, and into their program. Uh, but their program is uh, is technically shut down shortly after they get him out. Hmm. And But after they're shut down, Christopher Smith, he's decided, no, I am going to retain the Peacemaker name and I'm going to continue the cause of fighting for peace and righteousness by any means necessary. And so he takes the Peacemaker moniker for himself and uh, yeah, that is, that explains uh, most of his origin and some of the interesting tidbits. Now, one other little interesting tidbit about this is that is during this time frame where he begins to realize that he may have a mental illness. You see, it is highly suspected that seeing his father kill himself in front of him as a kid may have really fucked him up. Wouldn't you know it? What, what do you mean? Yeah, what, are you talking about? what, what uh, do you mean that PTSD? <laughs> crazy notion, you know? Who would, who would think? Uh, but now, 
he sees the ghost of his dad and his, the ghost of his dad gives some constant shit and criticism about not being good enough, about, also not, sounds about, right. yeah, about not doing well enough. Little uh, pansy. <laughs> Shut up, dad. <laughs> of course, he's calling John Cena a fucking pansy. Right. Like, Bro. <laughs> this man's arms is two of your heads. <laughs> but that's okay. And... Uh, the other crazy tidbit about uh, Peacemaker here is the fact that people who die in his vicinity, whether by his hands or just due to terroristic acts, uh, he believes that their spirits reside in his helmet and they tell him things to do. So they give him advice or they tell him to kill this person or this, that, or the third. So this man is very much certifiably crazy. So it, it, it should come as no surprise that, yes, eventually in the comics, he does end up in jail again, and then he's recruited by Amanda Waller to join Task Force X, a.k.a. the Suicide Squad. Every time he's in jail. All right. Which government's going to talk to me first? <laughs> Who's going to bid the highest? Oh, Amanda Waller. Sold. Yep. Yep, yep. And that is a little bit about the background on Peacemakers. So now... I think that some of you homies now who have seen the show, hopefully maybe they answered a few of your questions that you may have had about this character. Uh, or maybe you even have more questions, which is also wonderful. Right. Because the show goes a very different direction from uh, both stories you, you have mm-hmm. recounted for us. Uh, and holy fuck, do they? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they do. But with that being said, we're here to talk about the first three episodes. That's because that's all that's available. And, yeah, we're here to break those down and to discuss what we thought about those. Uh, so, Kevin, I think that uh, you're already kind of half in the bag on this one, but what did you think about the first three episodes of Peacemaker? How dare you? I haven't said shit. <laughs> They're pretty good. Nah, man, the show's fucking great. Uh, the show is hilarious. The show, like, James Gunn was basically given free reign of creative choice, it feels like, for the show. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, they said, all right, bro. Here's the check. It ain't blank, but here's the pencil. It is um, it is sharpened and ready for you. And here's the script. It is blank as fuck. Go crazy. <laughs> and like literally in James Gunn's awesome ass creativity, fueled by whatever the fuck boredom substances, uh, Jennifer Holland, whatever the case. This is amazing. Yeah. Like the the show is. Everything I didn't realize I was missing in my day-to-day, I'm coming home to relax television, you know? Because, <laughs> first off, I'm just going to go ahead and, and and pull the conversation back in a certain direction here and just yeet it the fuck over here. Bro, the second you turn on the show is nothing but joy and happiness. <laughs> like, it makes me smile. It's so fucking happy. Every time I see the intro, the fucking intro. The, there has been a lot of talks surrounding the intro to the show. And it deserves it. It is the best intro to date for a superhero TV show. Challenge me. Challenge me on that. It's so much fun. It's so great, guys. It is admittedly a really great intro. Right. It is. <laughs> it makes me smile and laugh every time I see it. Like... Someone wrote out the choreography and all all the fucking... Uh, all the actors. All the cast was just like, all right, bet, we'll be a part of this. And yeah. everybody dances. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, 
Yeah, James Gunn, you know, like, obviously he, he didn't write all the show, but... No. Like, his fingerprints are, are all over this show. You know, in terms of just the, the silliness and the ridiculousness of it, uh, like, his, his brass sense of comedy. Uh, but I do have to say this, um, and, and this is something that I had to be very careful with how I, I word it, but I think... Okay. If I had to wager a bet, I would say that from a creative standpoint, mm. I think that James Gunn probably feels more at home with Warner Brothers than he does at Disney. I believe that. Mm. Yeah, because Disney is just like, hey, here's here's the here's that pencil, here's that blank script, but here's the rules you have to follow for such script. Right. You know, James Gunn has never been given an R-rated product for Disney. As far as I can remember, I'm double-checking, I'm fat-checking myself right now, and I can't think of shit that he's written that's not Guardians of the Galaxy for Disney. Right. Which obviously are PG-13 flicks. Not that they're not good, don't get me wrong. They're PG-13 Guardians of the Galaxy, pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, Guardians 2. And then, you know, we got uh, all all the other cool shit that Warner Brothers gives us, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Which, Warner Brothers is like, so this is going to be an HBO show, so... Do what you want to do, man. I mean, fuck, yeah. we don't care. This almost feels like a, a rare moment of clarity for Warner Brothers, and I do mean rare, because right. uh, like the original Suicide Squad movie was rated PG-13, the 2016 one, that is, but the one that came out last year, the one that was fucking amazing mm-hmm. by James Gunn, mm-hmm. was, was rated R, and so it's almost like WB had a brief moment of clarity where they realized, okay, maybe trying to make a movie fit certain parameters to get as many asses and as many seats as we can. Maybe that's not the best approach. Maybe we should let the creator create. I could watch Suicide Squad right now. That was so good. Oh, yeah. Which, by the way, you should definitely do that before you listen to this review. Actually, yes. It it would greatly help you in your appreciation for Peacemaker, the TV show. Um, And also listen to our review of the Suicide Squad. Also, yes. There's so much homework, guys. (laughs) Go do your homework. But... Regardless, um, I have no idea which WB head honcho finally decided, fuck it, give James Gunn free reign. But... Must have been John Peters. You get the fuck out of here. <laughs> How dare you? You lost this kombucha. Oh, damn this it. is my drink now. I was enjoying I'm gonna that. mix them. <laughs> Yellow and red. What, what do you have? Mango? Apple? Pineapple. Wow, okay. I was wrong. And then... Yeah, but basically, this show is fucking amazing, dude. Yeah, yeah. So right now, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna monologue here for a little bit, homies, and I'm gonna kind of take you guys through my own process here with this show. And so, if you ask me, I think that uh, that Peacemaker is kind of a perfect pickup from what we leave uh, Peacemaker at and the uh, Suicide Squad movie. So the last time we see Christopher Smith. Uh, he is presumed dead, but then come to find out, no, he survived. Uh, and I really, <laughs> I, I dig the tongue-in-cheek nature of the beginning of this TV show. Because when we first pick up with, the, with this TV show, uh, he's in the hospital. And the doctors are like, yeah, you know, thankfully that gunshot wound, it just, you know, it, it nicked you good, but it didn't kill you. And then a building fell on you. 
and somehow you fucking survived a building falling on you. But hey, and and but the doctor's way more nonchalant about it than I am. <laughs> and uh, of course, the only thing that uh, that Christopher's worried about is uh, how his uh, how his, his muscular frame looks in the X-rays uh, because you can't really see the fine details and just looks like bulk. Of course, that's what he's worried about. Uh, but I do appreciate the tongue-in-cheek nature of that because, yeah, like even if the gunshot wound didn't kill him, you would definitely assume that a building falling on him definitely would, but it didn't. And that's one of those things that you just kind of have to take in stride. It's like, yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah, he should be dead. But I'll go ahead and tell you this. If you're going to get hung up on details like that, then this may not be the show for you. And that's not saying that I think that this show has a lot of plot holes or, you know, missing plot details in it. I don't think it does so far, not within these first three episodes. But, you know, that's just kind of something that uh, you're going to have to get over in terms of hangups. Something else I'm going to have to go ahead and mention is the fact that John Cena does a phenomenal job as Peacemaker here. Uh, When I saw him in the Suicide Squad, I was very taken aback. Like, I didn't think that he was going to be awful. And, you know, I thought this, I thought that he was just going to be okay. You know, I thought it was going to be decent. But, no, maybe James Gunn does have a knack for finding ex-pro wrestlers and putting them into roles that, that are perfect for them. You know, Dave Bautista as uh, Drash the Destroyer in Guardians of the Galaxy, especially Volume 1, Guardians Volume 1, he is phenomenal in that. They they take a little too much of the, uh, you know, the, the, the goofy route in the second one and the He's a little too jovial for my liking, but even still, at least we know that James Gunn knows how to properly do Trash the Destroyer, and, and Batista was a fucking great fit. And with John Cena here as Peacemaker, yeah, I have like no complaints about him. Uh, he definitely looks like a goddamn superhero, and I love the fact that he's not playing a uh, a straight lace superhero. For anyone who ever watched WWE, you know that John Cena had a very straight laced mentality, a very kid-friendly PG type of uh, mentality. But now that he's kind of free from those shackles, man, he's just gone off the rails, and I fucking love it. Uh, This Peacemaker, he is very similar to the movie in the first two acts of the movie. If you remember, the first two acts of the movie, he seemed like a deranged good guy, but he had decent intentions and then in the third act he definitely seemed more villainous in his approach uh i thought it was very fitting for the character especially in that movie and especially considering you know a little bit of the uh the background that we talked about earlier in this podcast but in this tv show he's kind of like he was in the first two acts of the suicide squad so a lot of that villain villainous nature is uh, it really isn't present here. And I'm not mad at that either. I think that that's kind of a, a better fit for the character. Uh, oh, well, welcome back. What can I say, brother? Sometimes you just got to go on a journey. Uh, yeah, by journey he meant doing uh, do a line of coke. Uh, I need creative substances. God damn it. <laughs> uh, I can't afford coke. You know this. <laughs> All right, crack, man. Whatever. I can't crack. afford crack. <laughs> crack is made for poor people. That's why I was pedaled in, in, in poor so neighborhoods. So here's poor people. Here's my hand, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I 
Let's let's call it what it is, okay? We don't have enough Patreoners. I can't afford crack yet. <laughs> All right? Help me out, Patreoners. Speaking of Patreoners, go ahead and toss a few coins to your homies here. And that way you can get our latest episode on the Witcher Season 2 review. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had the homies Oz and Caleb join us for that one. It was quite delightsome. Uh, delightsome. Yes, very, very oh, much delightsome. Yes. Uh, but with that being said, yeah, so we were just talking about uh, kind of the differences between the Peacemaker and the TV show versus the movie. Okay. And, you know, I was just really talking about how in the first two acts of the Suicide Squad, that's very much how he behaves here. Uh, how he behaves in the third act of the Suicide Squad is more villainous turn on the character, whereas mm. uh, in this TV show, um, they kind of walk that back, and they do so pretty tactfully. They do. They do. Um, it really kind of culminates when he goes to his little shitty home and and he has his little private moment to, to cry his eyes out. Oh, he just, he sobs mm-hmm. like he, he is lamenting. This man is weeping yeah. and uh, he reflects back to what Rick flag said to him uh, right before or right as he killed Rick flag, you know, peacemaker, what a joke. And, you know, during that moment, Chris is really thinking that, Oh man, yeah, I am kind of a joke. Like, I was supposed to be fighting for... Like, the, he has a, a brief moment of clarity, it feels like. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, I really like this character here, and I really like the way that they're, that they're taking him. Yeah. Uh, what do you think about his dad being played by Robert Patrick, the goddamn T-1000? Bro, Robert Patrick... And, and this is no offense. This is purely a compliment to his acting prowess, but Robert Patrick looks like he could have been a Nazi. Okay. Like, he's got this shit down, son. (laughs) He's got that rough and gruff, like, yeah, it could have been Clint Eastwood in another life look. You know, like, Mm -hmm. he's got that, I'm not cut from the same jib, man, okay? Right. Like, he looks like he ate a bowl of nails for breakfast without any milk. Without any milk. Without any fucking milk. He ain't no Winnie Hud Jr., kid. (laughs) But, a lot of references just then, guys. Keep up. But he, uh, bro, he is insanely good at the tough son of a bitch dad who's just like rough around the edges, no shits given, no mercy given, no empathy. I'm the hard ass dad. Like he's he's mm-hmm. so good at it. Yeah, and, and and I know you were just talking about John's uh, uh, peacemaker, but I have to give compliments there too. Oh yeah, it is surprising how fucking. Great John Cena is at Peacemaker. Oh, yeah. Yes. It's like, bro, I know you used to be a wrestler and stuff. That's cool and all, but Peacemaker? <laughs> you were made for this? Yeah. Like, I see you now. <laughs> uh, What's that boots button at? <laughs> Get the <laughs> fuck out of here. Man, that was a good one. There you go. Thank you. <laughs> Give me the... Did, what the fuck is that called? Uh... Rim shot. Rim shot. There we rim go. Shot. Yeah. Almost a different kind of shot that was X rated. I almost said rim job, but it's like, no, that's, that's also X rated. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, but yeah, back to about, you know, rim jobs and eating ass. So, yeah, Robert Patrick, man, does a great job as. Uh, do they say his name in this show? I'm trying to remember. Because mm-hmm. if they do, his name Mr. is not Wolfgang. No, it wasn't Wolfgang. Um, 
They said his name in, I want to say the first couple episodes whenever... He's about to be locked up. Yeah. We, we already said the no, uh, spoilers ahead, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, we did. Yeah, I had to think Okay, about okay. <laughs> like, I, I saw your look, and I was just like, bro, that's a lie. <laughs> that face tells me, fuck, we didn't. <laughs> uh, just yeah. in case, spoilers ahead for the show, and obviously the movie, but I right. do remember we did say that one, mm-hmm. so yes, indeed. Yeah, we, we specifically say, if you haven't seen the, the movie yet, you should definitely go watch that first. Amen. Amen. Uh, yeah, so I, I really like the intensity of this character here that Robert Patrick is playing. Robert Patrick or Patrick Robert? Mm-hmm. I always get confused because he has names. two first names. Yeah. Just pretend there's a comma between whichever one's appropriate. <laughs> That's right. So, yeah. uh, But man, like, he always has that fucking intense look on his face. He like, does! Like, you know, like, there's a reason why he was chosen for Terminator 2. Like, Bro, he could have been, like, fucking, like, the Clint Eastwood. Oh, yeah. If Clint Eastwood wasn't already on Earth, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, if Clint Eastwood wasn't a thousand years old, no. Uh, <laughs> but I also have to say this, and that is, as the show kind of goes on, especially over the first two episodes, because you don't see him in the third episode any... But in the first two episodes, as they progress and as you see more of his character, you start off thinking, okay, maybe his dad's just kind of a a bitter, hardened asshole of a guy. You kind of get that idea because he didn't, he never tried to see his son or never tried to call him when he was in prison. Uh, He he seems like the type of dad who was never proud of his son's accomplishments or anything like that. Clearly never gave his son a hug. Um, (laughs) Like Literally. Like the the words "I love you" are not in this man's vocabulary, and you can definitely tell. And so, in the beginning, you're thinking he's just he, maybe he's just an assholeish dad. And John Cena is clearly still that young kid trying to get dad's approval. Yeah, yeah. Which is ironic because he calls John Cena a pussy, mm-hmm. and it's like, you know, there's a number of people who probably deserve that, but <laughs> I'm I'm not sure he's one, bro. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like, I don't really know John Cena, but it's like I mean I'm not seeing it, bro. I mean, but but even like Peacemaker, I don't think that the that character also you can even say that because like you know like the, that character Peacemaker has has still gone through some shit. Mm-hmm. He's been in the trenches. He's murdered a lot of people, uh, a lot, a lot of people. He's done. He's well trained and he's done a lot of different things. And so. It's just uh, very interesting how this dad is just not having any of uh, of what his son's been trying to I'm do. I'm curious what the fuck dad did that was so great. In the show, dad. Right, not, right. you know, Nazi dad or whatever. <laughs> and, um, not Nazi dad. Yep. Talk about a bad superhero name. Nazi dad. You know? There is a, a Nazi supervillain in DC Comics. I'm trying to remember the name of that character. Blue Skull. What? Yeah. You know, Red Skull, Blue Skull. DC got Blue Skull. Yeah, One Skull, Two Skull. This is not Dr. Seuss. (laughs) Uh, Who also, really, that could have been a cool villain name, too. Dr. Seuss (laughs) in another universe. But just... Uh, Trying to remember. The character was actually in the uh, Under the Red Hood book. So, homies, if you guys remember that off the top of your head, let me know. Send it to me telepathically right now. (laughs) Uh, But anyways... Nope, didn't work, Kevin. No. Didn't work, no. Nope. I, I don't think you knew. I think that's why it didn't work. <laughs> I, I, I did the Cyclops. I put my fingers to my temple and said, e. <laughs> That would be the Professor X then, Kevin. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah that's fair. Uh, it may have actually been Captain actually. Nazi. So who knows? <laughs> really on the nose, bud. Yeah, yeah. He's really proud of his Nazi. Fucking two flat, bud. Yeah. Two plot, bud. Damn it. Uh, but no, anyways, at, but as the show goes on, you see more of his dad, and then you realize that, okay, this dad is more than just a complete asshole. And, like, one of the first kind of red flags comes in the comedic nature when he takes John down to get a new outfit, and you see, like, this secret sub-basement mm-hmm. full of weaponries and, and other helmets. Very surprising. Yeah. It's yeah. like, what the fuck is going on here, Dad? Like, John didn't get his equipment from, you know... Maybe like his own creations or the government. This is all from his dad's basement. Mm-hmm. This helmet here gives you GPS tracking. This helmet here emits a sonic boom as soon as you activate it. It's like, what the yeah. fuck, dad? And this one gives you scurvy. <laughs> <laughs> Why would I want scurvy? <laughs> to make you a real man. It's like, what the fuck? How, right. how is scurvy? What? <laughs> I'll just eat an orange. <laughs> Uh, and so that's kind of like the first red flag. You're like, all right, this is interesting. You're like, huh? Like, it, it definitely it, it catches you off guard because it's so left field, and you know it's supposed to be a comedic bit. But then the 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 other it's not even a red flag. It's a goddamn a red alert. <clears throat> and uh, that's when he gets taken to jail and the way that he's treated there. Mm-hmm. Uh oh, bro. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um. First of all, definitely the most unrealistic part of, of the TV show. There's only one black guy in the jail. Uh, here in the United States penal system, they will find. Hey, listen. I mean, you're not wrong. I am not I'm, wrong. I'm, God damn I'm it. I'm saddened. I don't even want to fucking jaywalk. All right, before they threw me <laughs> under the goddamn jail and give me fucking 20 years of free labor. Anyways, uh, but <laughs> yeah, there, there's like one black guy in the in the jail, and he's sitting in a spot that apparently used to be uh, Mr. Smith's favorite spot when he was in prison. So that's another revelation. Mm. You know, he goes, uh, "I like to feel the the hit of the sun on my face from was it three to five, uh, you know, p.m. Mm-hmm. So I, that's my favorite spot." And so it's like, okay, so this guy was in jail at some point. What the fuck were you in jail for? What did you do for a living to have that kind of right. basement in your house? Uh, the creepy thing is, as he's saying this to this young black male, there's like five or six or eight other heads mm-hmm. that are turning and revering this moment, but none of them are looking at the young man. They're all looking at him. Mm-hmm. And the young man sees this and is like, yeah, no, I'm not dying for this spot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no. And that was a smart choice. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, his dad also just clearly uh, explains a lot of Peacemaker's behavior. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of his sexist, racist, bigoted, just, and like, it is, I'm not going to say it's funny, but it is, well, it, it is funny because in, in the comedic nature, but it's extremely interesting uh, in the sense of the show because, like, this version of Peacemaker is, like, the the literal essence of, of a bigot because he is extremely ignorant. And that is, of course, like, the root cause of, of all isms is, is ignorance. And a lot of his ignorance come from, comes from this place of 
just a literal lack of knowledge and he mm-hmm. just does not whether it be whether it be him calling the the waitress uh sweet, sweet uh no he was anything about it. he said uh sugar cheek or sugar cheeks something about her sweet cheeks sweet cheeks sweet yeah. Cheeks, yeah yeah calling her sweet cheeks and not knowing that they meant you know referring to a woman's ass and not her actual facial cheeks uh <laughs> and then of course uh finally got the one of his teammates is a lesbian in oh episode gosh, three, yeah. yeah, you knew that was going to be a landmine, and you know, calling himself an ally, but then saying all the wrong shit. It's it's the modern day version of of an ism, mm-hmm. uh, which is very much yeah, I'm with so and so, but then they go ahead and say shit that is contrary to that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so a lot of uh, peacemakers' behavior, you can definitely see it now when you realize that his dad is into some deep shit, like. Definitely some type of white supremacist, it seems like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but who the. Oh, and, and another red flag for his dad also, I think it's in episode one. Um, it may have been the first time that Peacemaker goes into his dad's house, but he walks in and on the TV, his dad is just non ironically watching InfoWars. That's a show by uh, God, Alex Jones, like just the. People call him like the the right wing nut job. You know, he's mm. just the guy is so fucking off his rocker. I mean, hey, if you want to watch uh, Alex Jones for comedic purposes, I wholeheartedly uh, recommend it. It is quite fucking hilarious. But uh, yeah, it's, it's as far as like actual, you know, mm. relative information. Uh, no, that's you can find that elsewhere. Yeah. Uh, so he was watching Alex Jones, and I was like, "Holy shit, this guy's in deep." <laughs> uh, yeah, and so that's kind of like another weird uh, red flag that kind of the, the first red flag, I, I suppose. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of a little bit about his dad, and you know, that's another story thread, and that shoe's gonna drop sometime. Oh yeah, yeah. and you kind of wonder if it's gonna lead to a head between uh, Peacemaker and his father. Probably, because it sounds like his dad's about to be the racist kingpin of jail. Yeah, <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Even Wilson Fisk is like, don't put that on me, man. I know, right? <laughs> Wilson Fisk is like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I never, no, I never affiliated with any of <laughs> Daredevil's just shaking his head in the corner. <laughs> I'm the kingpin now. Right. Uh yeah, so that was definitely one very interesting thread, and we don't see any of the dad in episode three. Uh, but I'm sure moving on in the uh, future episodes, we will. I am curious to to see uh, if they will kill the father in this season, and if he will come back in the form of a haunting ghost. Uh, <laughs> that would be great. Like, yeah, because it's like, at first you think about it, you're like, nah, that won't happen. Then you're like, well... This is James Gunn. He loves the weird shit. He may very well do it. <laughs> I'd watch it. Yeah. I'd watch it. Yeah, why not? I, it'd probably be like, I almost imagine almost, uh, if, if I had to filibuster and guess, I almost imagine like the fly episode from Breaking Bad. I thought you but, meant um, like the Jeff Goldblum movie. I was no. like, that's, <laughs> that's some real Cronenberg that's shit. Weird- <laughs> Yeah, that's what I imagine, bro. That's what I'm thinking about. No, uh, but like the the bottleneck, uh, the fly episode, mm-hmm. one of the one of the famous ones from Breaking Bad, of course. I almost imagine that, uh, like 
we're reflectively going back and forth to Peacemaker having to deal with Ghost Dad mm-hmm. or something. But it's only like an episode because by the next one, it's like we're back to normal. Mm. I almost imagine, you know, like it, they only play with it for one episode, maybe. But even then, that might be a tad bit much. Who knows? So mm. I don't know. I think if they do it, they go all the way with it. Um, so like he's an entire character of a ghost for yeah, a season. It, except I don't think that the dad would be ethereal. I think it'd be one of those things where only John can see him and it looks like a normal person. Okay. Ah, so so almost like um 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 almost like a fight club essence. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. a little bit of that. Except yeah. in this case the narrator is fully aware that this is not right. <laughs> I mean, maybe he's fully aware. Or, yeah. Very true. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Brad Pitt is super racist in this part. So, yeah. <laughs> not really Brad Pitt. Right, so, right. Shout out to Brad Pitt. Tyler, <laughs> Tyler Durden. He means. Amen. Amen. But <laughs> uh, no, anyways, uh, the other kind of big thing about this show, or the other big storyline, is this other organization whose name escapes me at the moment. Uh, but they hired uh, Peacemaker because they need a they need a killer. Uh, they need someone who has no problem pulling the trigger, no problem killing. Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, this guy was just part of Task Force X. Most of the world probably thinks he's dead. Uh, we can use him. And this is when we're introduced to uh, the rest of the supporting team here. Yep. Uh, I really enjoy uh, the the cast that we got here, the, the the team of characters that we have. Bro, they're awesome. Yeah. They're so good. They, yeah. they really are uh, because they are just – ragtag doesn't do it justice because that, that terminology is now overplayed, mm-hmm. but they are truly just like – holy mistakes. Sh- yeah, yeah. <laughs> And, but it's like you 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 can see they're not like you know how some movies you have ragtag teams where it's like how does this even work? Mm-hmm. But like this ragtag team, the expertise is there, but the personality clashing mm-hmm. is where they differ. And, and I think that that is a very distinct difference between that yeah. and other ragtag teams where it's like they don't even know their fucking hand from a from a fucking what? From, yeah, or from a, from anything. Yeah, like they they can't they can't even fucking function in their position. But yet, how the fuck would they get anything done? But mm. thankfully, this team, they clearly know what they're doing. Yeah. You know, but they just, the personalities just don't mesh. And I really fucking dig it. Oh, yeah. I think I got the cast pulled up here. Okay. Here we go. Uh, yes. Uh, so we have, oh, man, I'm having such a hard time with this guy's name. Uh, Chuck Woody and Wooji, who plays Clemson Mum, and he's like the kind of the leader of this little uh, organization. Yeah, it's a, it's a very small group, but he's like spearheading it all. And uh, there's the newest recruit, uh, Danielle Brooks, uh, who plays uh, Leota, mm-hmm. and uh, she's the one who who's probably like the most uh, relatable in terms of uh, you know not knowing what the fuck is going on. Yeah, agreed. Uh, we have Steve A.G., who plays uh, John Economos. Uh, he is definitely like your your fucking computer nerd to the core. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he is also very, very hilariously played in this TV show. Uh, of course, we have uh, Jennifer Holland, who plays Amelia Harcourt. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and she's just like, you know, your 
fucking badass field ops agent. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, as far as like the actual team goes, uh, those are the only members. Then, then of course they bring in uh, Peacemaker. Yep. Good old John Cena. Yeah. Now at the end of episode one, uh, we found out that Leota is actually the daughter of Amanda Waller. And it's interesting because there is actually another story thread there. Uh, Amanda, she uh, says something to the effect of, you know, make sure that you keep this a secret. No one else can know, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, we can really achieve our full, you know, our actual goal here. Uh, Leota, she comes off as like, yeah, I'm just doing this. But then after this, like, I'm actually going to do what I want to do. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's not working with you or with them or with any of this. And so Amanda Waller, she does have something to do with all of this, but we don't know what it is at the moment. Right. And at the moment, none of the rest of the team knows that Leota is uh, related to Amanda Waller. So uh, we'll see what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Mr. Mum, I'm sure they did that on purpose, but uh, Mr. Clemson Mum, uh, his real objective here is to eliminate something called the butterflies. And, uh, you know, I mean, I got to be honest, man. Like, I was very similar to Peacemaker. I was like, yeah, I, I guess, what the fuck is a butterfly? Is that yeah. something that's code name for a group of people? Yeah, like a sleeper agent or yeah. something or what? Yeah. yeah. And then after after Peacemaker bangs, you know, some random chick who he meets up with at her place, mm-hmm. he's in his classic toddy whities you know, singing away to some, some 80s rock music. Cinderella. Oh, yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And this bitch just goes fucking psycho on John. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, what the fuck? Like, she's not... It was uh, was very similar to me uh, to the scene of Sicario. The the scene where uh, you have Emily Blunt and she's at a bar. There's music playing and she meets this nice, charming guy. This nice, charming guy. Uh, you know, they, they really hit it off and then they go, they go back to one of their places. Things get hot and heavy. And then she realizes that, oh no, this guy is actually, uh, he's working with the ops. And once he realizes that she realizes he go starts fucking, fucking her up. And of course that, that other guy was John Bernthal, who was the, the handsome stranger there. Uh, did such a good job in that role that they even extended it for him. But, uh, that's what this course, reminded me John of Bernthal. here. <laughs> Go watch Sicario, folks, if you haven't seen it. Uh, but no, that's what this reminded me of here. It's uh, In this case, is the, the gender roles are reversed, and Peacemaker is not nearly as smart as uh, Emily Blunt was in Sicario. But Yeah, so John starts getting fucked up by this fucking mullet-having, <laughs> super petite, clearly augmented woman. Yeah. And you're like, what the fuck is happening here? Uh, what you think of this fight scene? Bro, it was hilarious. It's John Cena in his tidy whitey singing in the living room. Obviously way too comfortable after sex. And then this chick's just walking around him, goes and grabs the kitchen knife, walks back around him, and as he's just like singing sweet little nothings into his uh, his air mic because he's just no, singing no. along to the He's singing into a fucking vibrator. Ah, thank you. That's right. He's singing into the vibrator. Out comes this bitch with the knife. She like jacks him up. Yeah, he he is not walk away unscathed. 
But yeah, the fight just like breaks walls and they're throwing each other across like the fucking parking lot. It's a great fight scene. Right. With some rando chick that he met who happened to be a butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I love that he used uh, his his new fucking sonic boom in his helmet mm-hmm. uh, that just obliterated her and all the cars around them. Yeah. Shit was intense. Yes. Yeah. Uh, there was nothing left for her except for, like, enough meat for a meatloaf. Like, that was it. Ew. <laughs> I don't like meatloaf. <laughs> well, you just defended him, all right? He's very proud of the music that he's made over the years. Name one meatloaf song. You know. Yeah. <laughs> I was about to say, brother, I'm going to quiz you on your classic rock right now. Name, name me one fucking meatloaf song. I'll fucking do it. Don't you push me. Well, give me your phone first, and then I expect you to do it. Yeah. Uh, there you go. He made one song with the chick. It was a duet. <laughs> that was so specific. He was in Fight Club. Yeah. Okay. Good job on the <laughs> trivia. But <laughs> wow. Uh, well, you know, Kevin, I can't be great at quite everything. That's okay. I I yep, I don't expect that of uh, of anyone. Well, I, I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anywho, yeah. So th- this just gets obliterated, and it's kind of funny uh, how this whole turn of events came out because. As John Cena is in the bathroom after sex, he leaves the dossier that was given to him on the bed. <laughs> and this bitch is just able to lean over and look in it and realize that, oh, shit, he's after the butterflies, one of yeah. me. And then this one starts fucking him up. So She's not even, like, subtle, guys. Like, she's got the whole book open. Like, she's reading, like, the <laughs> newspaper right. on the bed with, like, pictures and everything pulled out, like... Yeah, no, bitch is after the butterflies. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, time to stab a, a, a this big old muscly dude. Yep. Yeah. Just damn. <laughs> what a dumbass, peacemaker. What a right. dumbass. Yeah. Oh shit. And uh, it was just there's so much hilariosity that takes place throughout this show, guys, and I can't explain that enough. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and I will also say this. I think this is a, a fair assumption, but mm. if you guys. Uh, Agree with and, and like, you know, our take on the Harley Quinn TV show, then Peacemaker is definitely for you. Amen. Yeah. Um, if you do not like that style of humor or storytelling, then. Uh, Don't know what to tell you. Yeah. See you next time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. See you after about five more episodes of this. There you go. Yep. All right. Yep. Um, but yeah. So the just the overall humor in this show, I thought was extremely well done. Damn good time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, episode three is the one that uh, we just watched uh, before we started recording here tonight. And uh, this was very interesting, too, because we see a little bit of hesitancy in Peacemaker. Like, maybe he doesn't want to murder things that looks like human children. Yeah. Yeah. You, you obviously seem pretty uh, shaken by this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, we also need to talk about uh, Vigilante. We got to. Yeah. Uh, his... <laughs> I don't know what you call his kind him. of friend, right? Yeah, his, his never best friend, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, like uh, the episode two title. Yeah, um, first off, quick question 
Is Vigilante, as such a bland name as that is, is that even a real canonical character? Uh, yes. I think there's probably wow. been like four different Vigilantes. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah, he is. Yeah, he's a real character. This guy, it's it's actually fucking hilarious. It is. I don't know the actor. I gotta look the cast back up here, but uh, the actor playing like super non besties with John Cena. They have such a great chemistry together, dude. They do. It is hilarious how great they are on camera. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Yeah. And, and their relationship is so interesting because it's like. On the outside looking in, it's so bizarre because Vigilante's like, yeah, man, this is my bud. And then, you know, Peacemaker's like, <laughs> like, no, not not really. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's almost like it's almost like uh, if you have like a super fan who's really attached to like this pseudo celebrity, but like they don't really have matching dynamics. Exactly. Kinda That's what, what this like. is. Yeah. yeah. And the funny thing is, like, eventually you learn who Vigilante is. And, and Peacemaker's sitting there just like, wait a minute. Aren't, aren't you aren't you such and such as brother? Like, you used to go, just go play D&D all the time. Right. It's like, well, now I got a costume and I kick ass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Freddie Stroma is the actor's name. Yeah. And, oh, he's playing the Adrian Chase version of Vigilante. I think that's like the most recent, or at least the, that's the most well-known. I think Marv, Marv Wolfman made that version of Vigilante. Okay. Uh, yeah. So, um, their dynamic was just so much fun to watch because when Peacemaker allows himself to kind of let his hair down some, they do have fun together. Like when they pull out a bunch of different guns and weaponry and just start shooting and blowing up shit. Mm-hmm. Hey, I got some new kitchen appliances. Right. You want to go shoot them? <laughs> they shoot a fucking toaster. Right. Yeah. And I I can't say enough things about Peacemaker's home. Uh, it is the most unhomely home I've ever seen. That's fair. Uh, I don't know, man. It it looks like an extremely crazy, patriotic, wild man used to live there, but died five years ago, and no one bothered to clean up anything. Like that's what the aesthetics of his home looks so like. So white trash. God damn. <laughs> Man, Kevin is is shooting today. Man, shots fired. Bang, bang. <laughs> God damn. Oh, right. Let it be known that it was the white man here. <laughs> <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Indeed. Oh, shit. Yeah. In episode three, we're in a, we actually get to see what these butterflies look like. We kind of had an idea what they could do mm-hmm. once, but then again, we didn't technically know that the one bitch from episode two was a butterfly. Not technically. Like she, in episode two, it plays off like she's like a fucking sleeper agent or something. Mm-hmm. Like she's American Ultra, and all of a sudden, like she read the wrong thing. It was just mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm self aware. Fuck this right. dude. Now, not literally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was... Yeah. Fuck him again in a different manner. Yes. <laughs> it didn't sound better. <laughs> it sounded just as confusing. Uh, 
I'm going to fuck you, but this time only one of us is going to enjoy it. John Cena said, ah, oh, 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 oh. I'm going to fuck you and make it even quicker. <laughs> There's no great way to say there it. There really isn't. Yeah, like, yeah. I'm going to fuck your brains out. I mean, even that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Damn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all those are applicable and can be misunderstood. But, yeah, in episode three, this is when we get to a point where John is really put up to task. And, I mean, by all accounts, he's not able to do it. Uh, they're tasked to kill um, this family of people who who they now suspect are butterflies. And, dun, dun, dun. John has the sniper. He has the shot, but he can't do it. Uh, but, <laughs> motherfucking vigilante, who shows up unannounced, uninvited, He's able to do it, no problem. Yep. He tailed them because he saw them loading up with uh, his, his good buddy, his good friend, Peacemaker. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, here, it's okay. Hey, hey, let me in. Let me in. I'll take care of this. Bang. Bang. Susie's dead. Bang. The little bitch boy's dead. You know, it's like, oh, damn, man. And you see that Peacemaker's, like, shaking yeah. every shot, you know? Yeah. yeah. A lot of PTSD there. A lot of unresolved trauma there. Well, I mean, I guess, you know, killing what looks like an innocent family would uh, probably they were cause. Just drinking soup. Right, yeah. yeah. With their fucking long-ass straw tongues. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, but they're not able to kill uh, Papa Bear. Uh, because at that moment, Judo Master shows up. And this, again, is is where James Gunn's penchant for using just the most obscure characters, again, comes into play. Yeah. Uh, Judo Master is a real character. Um, again, he's one of those characters who really hasn't been prominent in a very long time. And, uh, you know, he's another very low-tier character who you don't really hear about anymore. Uh, but... I'd be damned if he doesn't come on the screen and kick ass. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, he beats the shit out of everybody with his bare hands, and it was fucking awesome to see. Especially when you consider the fact that uh, this character is, <laughs> and this show is extremely small. Uh, he is... Uh... Like three foot tall. <laughs> it's like literally a three foot tall man. It's like, bro, I know Judo is like the redirecting of of force against itself in so many words. Right. I'm probably just fucked up that entire term. There's a judo master who's like, what the fuck did you say? But, heaven forbid, but this is a three-foot man doing this against, like, six-foot people. You're right. It's like, bro, this mathematically don't equate. This, yeah, this, this shit don't add up. And I think that's what, what added humor to it, though. Uh... And man, I'm I'm not gonna shoot any shots. I'm not I'm not gonna name any movies when I say this, mm. but I'm I'm so glad that this show is self aware of its humor and when it when it's trying to be humorous. There's a lot of movies, brother. When you see certain people, certain movies, and certain fight scenes, and it's like I don't believe any of this. Like this, like you can't convince me that that person can take down. All these stunt men, better yet, just that one stunt man. 
Yeah, like, you're right. This shit, it just, it, it it's fun to look at, but the immersion is broken because I cannot believe this. Right. Um, and again, I'll let you guys use your theater of, of mine to imagine what movies I could be talking about. And you, you could be right. Submit your answers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, nope, I'm never going to drop a fun fact. I'm, a, I'm never going to drop a, a clue. It'd be, it'd be too on the nose. Exactly, no. But like you said, this show is highly aware of its humorous moments. And it helps to keep the show grounded, you know. Mm. Uh, after Judo Master finishes uh, capturing our boy uh, Peacemaker and Vigilante, um, Peacemaker wakes up. And, you know, Chris is looking around this room half days because he's still coming to uh, probably from more than one concussion at this point. Who knows? And then he's like he focuses in and see Judo Master, who's this three foot man sitting in a chair eating hot Cheetos and like literally like whole wholesomely, like just holding the bag. Just snacking on hot Cheetos like he hasn't had a meal yet, you know, and. And Peacemaker's just the whole time like, who the fuck are you? You better fucking let me go, you little three-foot nothing. She's talking all kinds of shit to him. Exactly. It's like, you know what? If I ever hurt my ankle, I would just use you to replace my Achilles heel. So I could just use my little pinky toe again. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, just like just like all types of ripping comments on his height. Right. But then it's like, this character is like, hey, you want some hot Cheetos? And like, eh? Shakes the bag a little in his direction. Mm-hmm. You know, Peacemaker's like, yeah, I want some hot Cheetos. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, give me some hot Cheetos. It's just to open his mouth, waiting for him to toss him some fucking hot Cheetos. He starts like ninja right. shuriken throwing these <laughs> hot Cheetos. Like, how the fuck do hot Cheetos work like that? And then, of course, to wrap that up and bring it home, Peacemaker's like, what the fuck are these Cheetos made of? You know? <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, thank you. Thank you for realizing just how absurd and fun these scenes are. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, it had me kind of thinking, like, I, and I'm not trying to, like, dissect the science behind any of that, because it's a fucking hilarious no. comedy scene, but it, it did remind me, like, you know, there's certain times where, like, someone could jokingly slap my hand, and I'm like, oh, yeah, whatever, and then there's other times when people could just jokingly slap my hand, not hard, and I'm like, fuck that. That hit something, <laughs> and that shit kind of stung. stung, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like, the, the fuck happened there? <laughs> I'm like, uh, I wonder if judo, if judo masters is like, I'm gonna throw these at every pinpoint accurate. <laughs> he throws them and just like hits the right nerves right. yeah. and veins in. It's yeah. like, ow, asshole! Right, oh, that really stung. These feel like pellets. <laughs> Stop shooting me with Cheetos. Oh, uh, hot Cheetos at that. Hot, hot Cheetos, yeah. Cheetos, yeah. Ain't no normal Cheetos up in here. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, the the husband of the butterfly fl- family who didn't get murderized, he comes downstairs and he tells Judo Master to go and do something. Uh, and we don't really know what uh, the objective was, do no, we? He, yeah, he, he said it pretty clearly. He he told him, hey, get out of here. Go get such and such. Tell them what happened here. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, he went to go get so-and-so and, uh, and yeah, to inform somebody of what happened. Uh, but in the meantime, there was a torture scene. Uh, because both Peacemaker and Vigilante are tied up and they have nowhere to go. And 
What we see is uh, they Papa Bear, so I'm going to call him from here on out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Papa Butterfly, he, he takes uh, some jumper cables and clamps them down to Vigilante's testicles. Mm-hmm. And then he proceeds to ask Peacemaker questions, looking for information, and Peacemaker being the strong, brave, bold character that he is, and giving him shit. I ain't gonna give you shit. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. I can take it. I can take it all. It's like, and then he continues to shock the fuck out of Vigilante's sack. He's like, <laughs> and the whole time it's just like. Okay, maybe you could just give him a little bit. And it's like, fuck you, I'm not going to give you shit. It was, it was, oh my gosh. And then after that, he's just like, okay, I see we're going to have to change things up. And he gets out like a pair of uh, pliers. actual like wire cutting yeah. pliers. And it's like, you're going to tell me what you guys are doing here and who sent you. Or else I'm going to cut off his pinky toes. Wait, my pinky toes? What about him? I just got shocked. <laughs> He's clearly the alpha, you know. I got to hurt him through you because, you know. So that's how you humans work. Yeah, you humans are empathetic. It's just like, <laughs> peacemaker, what, what the fuck do you say? It's just kind of something like, you can cut off all his toes. <laughs> you can cut off every one of his toes. I ain't going to give you nothing. <laughs> Vigilante, what? <laughs> and he actually got one of the toes. He got like a pinky. It, it, it didn't come all the way off. No, he sucked the cutting toes off. Yeah. 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 Which is a weird thing to say, but. Right? <laughs> he was just like trying to snip at it. It's like, oh, fuck. I, I, it's only half coming off. Like, yeah. oh, okay, okay. And he keeps trying to like, no, yeah. and like hack uh. away using these wire cutters. The whole time she's like, ah, stop. Oh, my. And, and you see the camera pan in on a little bit. And it's like, oh, my gosh, that is mangled as fuck. Yeah, that would suck so bad. I'd yeah. be pissed. Oh, yeah. Yeah, walking would be a pain in the ass for, uh, you know, a little while. I wonder if that's true. About balancing without yeah, a pinky without toe? Yeah, without the pinky toe. Like, could you, like, I feel like I could walk without my pinky toe, but I don't know. I've never tried. I don't know how to instigate walking without a pinky toe without losing a pinky toe. It's like, I've walked around with uh, a broken toe, and it's like, that sucks. Like, yeah. you, you don't realize. Yeah. Which toe is broken? Uh, I remember, I think it was uh, my big toe. Mm, that sucks. See, yeah. that that's one I feel like, man, uh, walking without my big toe, though, you know? Mm. He's the big boy. <laughs> He's got, like, 30% of the fucking foot. Maybe 25, I don't know. Fractions? He's He's got a fraction of the foot. More than mm. most. Yeah. <laughs> uh, How big's your big toe? <laughs> all these questions and more. I know, right? Gonna, yeah. <laughs> we get the weirdest emails. Right. <laughs> Don't don't send us pictures of your feet. Please oh my gosh, that is the rabbit trail we just walked yeah, down, yeah. didn't it? Yeah. Wow. Fuck. I don't want to go to Wonderland anymore. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So the way that this episode essentially wraps up is uh, Judo Master is about to get away, uh, but fucking Die Beard of all people comes through, and he's in like this big you know box truck looking dis- disguised vehicle that just has all their calm gear set up inside. Mm-hmm. And he rams the ever living fuck out of that uh, mini sports car that uh, Judo Master was in. And at first, when Die Beard gets out and he inspects it, I was like, "Holy shit! Did did Judo Master get out like before? Because like he, there was no sign of him in the car, right?" 
And I'm like, holy shit, that motherfucker's good. And uh, and then, you know, the camera pans out, and we get to see that Judo Master is just fucking on the ground, trying to get away, crawling, and he is fucked up. And, you know, I think that Die Beard, like all of us, has seen so many movies where you take a blunt object and you hit someone in the back of the head with it, and then it knocks them out. Yeah, just on the first hit, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's all normal. Yeah. That, that does not happen no. here. This tire <laughs> iron only, only impeded him a little bit, mm-hmm. and he keeps trying to crawl, and then he just... Wax him the fuck in the back of the head again. He's still trying to crawl. And so he waxed him like five more right. times. Like, holy shit. The thing that these movies and TV shows never account for is that, A, oftentimes, yeah, that first hit won't do it. No. And B, you're going to give them brain damage. <laughs> like, you're going to fracture the skull. There would be internal bleeding and swelling of the brain. I, I think he died. <laughs> I, I think Judo Master is no more. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. And, you know, on paper, it just looked like a straight, vicious homicide. So you rammed, <laughs> you rammed into this guy full speed with your big-ass truck, and then you beat him to death with a tire iron. <laughs> and, then, and then you're doing the, the fucking Triple H uh, suck yeah. over his body. Just like, suck it. TV's great sometimes, man. Let me tell you. There are there are moments. There are moments. TV has its moments. This this show's having its moments. Yes, yeah. yes. Well done, James Gunn. Oh man, and you know, like, and we're not even really doing the show, you know, justice to as, as full as extent because there's so many of the other characters here mm-hmm. that also all have their moments as well, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun to watch it all unfold. Um, there's a lot of shoes that still need to drop. Um, there's a shoe with. Uh, Amanda Waller and her daughter. There's a shoe with uh, Peacemaker's dad. And, of course, there's the main shoe with the butterflies. Like, where the fuck is this all going to? Yeah. Um, but they are able to to kill at least the, I guess what I'll call the human host for the Papa Bear butterfly. Yeah, because we didn't see the strangest shit, just like a cocoon or something. Um, the, the human body was just a cocoon because then out of the... His face got blasted in with a shotgun, mm-hmm. right? So imagine that. Face is like no moss. There's mm. barely a skull. And with the cavity left, a butterfly, almost like it just came out of chrysalis, just fucking emerged from the gore. And it starts fluttering its wings, shimmering but blood-soaked. Mm-hmm. And it's a large butterfly. Like, it's the size of a human head. Easy. But it's shimmering and floating out and fluttering, trying to flutter away. And this is when Vigilante and John's, uh, uh, John's, fuck, uh, uh, Chris Smith is just like, oh, Project Butterfly. Butterfly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, realization light bulb, but it's like, it's literally a butterfly? And that's the thing that's bewildering to you and I. It was like, (laughs) it's literally a fucking butterfly? You know, like, more questions. Yeah. It's like clearly this is some kind of alien type shit, but uh, yeah, like holy shit. And then the the episode ends by panning us back to the security vehicle mm-hmm. with the uh, the um, surveillance equipment is all in the back, computer still on functioning, and a search finishes loading or something. I don't know how it happened or whatever, but we then proceed to see that 
uh, estimated butterfly populations. Mm -hmm. And then, like, there's a shit ton of dots that pop up across a map of America as it pans out. Uh, all over, like, other continents as it continues to pan out. All over the fucking world. So yeah. there's better butterflies hidden away throughout all of America. Uh, uh, Human, uh, human society. Yeah. Yes, exactly. And it's like, well, shit. Uh, better get to butterfly hunting. You know, uh, better get to butterfly hunting. Yep. Wow. Grab your goddamn butterfly nets and yeah, get to work. Uh, but yeah, that is effectively where episode three ends. Um, you know, the the team is still intact. Some for the better. Some definitely not. Uh, you can you can see some of the fractures happening here. You kind of wonder what happens to Peacemaker moving forward, uh, seeing that he couldn't pull the trigger, whereas Vigilante could. Uh, you also wonder about Leota. Uh, well, he pulled the trigger on Papa Bear. Oh uh, uh, yeah, that yeah. was that was that was one, but yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. enough to redeem. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You also wonder about uh, Leota because uh, she had a problem with. Uh, killing the security guard who wasn't a butterfly. Mm -hmm. um, so you kind of wonder, is she is she going to be cut out for this type of work? And, you know, even though when she first got hired on, it wasn't explicitly stated that she'd be in a position of killing people, but yeah. here you are. Uh, she's had a few problems throughout, with the team throughout the series so far, such as not telling her, uh, her wife, um, filling her in with information that maybe she should know that could be dangerous. Right. Uh, so yeah, we'll see. Um, also bat might is a thing in, in this mm -hmm. universe. Bat might exist. Uh, possibly one of the greatest fucking Easter eggs of all time. Uh, that, that was a great bit of dialogue. I think there was an episode one or two. Yeah. 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 Uh, so that was great. Uh, I'm sure that made Grant Morrison very happy as well. Um, you got anything else to add on to Peacemaker Kevin before we wrap up? Go watch the show. All right. I'm done. Homies, seriously, you deserve it. Go watch the show. Have a great time. Uh, if you don't have HBO, you know someone who does. Borrow their account. Do whatever you gotta. Watch the show. You're welcome. We gotta, we gotta join the fandom. Yeah. 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 This is an extremely gory, uh, extremely well-paced mm -hmm. and well-told story that has so many intriguing characters and... While not everyone may get their moment, uh, there are times where everyone eventually does get a moment. And I think that that has also been handled really well. Uh, this show and so many... This show's very existence kind of spits in the face of PC culture, which is... Uh, I'm not going to lie, it's a little refreshing. I was just thinking you know, that same word. It's a little yeah. refreshing that, that you know there's a subsect of Hollywood that you know, exist that isn't afraid to be funny for the sake of funny sake. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, again, it's just really refreshing that we have this character who our protagonist, who is extremely flawed in so many ways, uh, but has a, has overall a good heart. And I think that in so many ways, that kind of explains the show, man. Like there is so much with this show that it's just fucking awesome to see. Again, it's uh, it's extremely grounded. Uh, there's not a whole lot of uses of, of CG. No, um, 
Yeah, you can tell that like it's, it's a different thing altogether. But man, it is so fun to watch. I think that yeah, for people who don't mind offensive humor and gore, uh, you should definitely check out this show. Um, this is another one of those TV shows I think that suits people who even aren't fans of traditional superhero content. So, I cannot recommend this show enough. Go check out Peacemaker. Hell yeah, homies! That would be all for now. Hope you guys thoroughly enjoyed this episode. Uh, if you guys did, uh, then feel free to also check out our Patreon page. That is patreon.com bachelor superhero homies. That way you guys can get access to all of our other additional content, which is uh, non-superhero talk, uh, which is a lot of fun stuff on there. So be sure to go there and check that out for one to $3 a month. That's it. You guys can really help us out. And, uh, and yeah, so that would be awesome. Go do that. Go check it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, But that's going to be all for this one, guys. We will see you next time. But until then, my name is Superhero Homie Q. And I am Superhero Homie Kevin.